Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the CardioNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with the mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 5.2 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by Dr. Christian Falberg-Anderson, answered first by UCSF resident Dr. Jesse Holtzman, and then by expert faculty Dr. Lawrence Sperling. Dr. Lawrence Sperling is the CATS Professor in Preventive Cardiology at the Emory University School of Medicine and founder of the Preventive Cardiology at the Emory Clinic. Dr. Sperling was a member of the writing group for the 2018 Cholesterol Guidelines, serves as co-chair for the ACC's Cardiometabolic and Diabetes Working Group, and is co-chair of the WHF Roadmap for Cardiovascular Prevention in Diabetes. Kristen, what you got today? You know, I've been wondering what percentage of the European population currently meets the recommended physical activity guidelines of 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity weekly or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity activity weekly? A, less than 10 percent. B, 10 to 25 percent. C, 25 to 50 percent. D, 50 to 75 percent. Or E, greater than 75 percent. Jesse, do you think you could help us with this? Christian, this is a great question with a bit of a disheartening answer. So I'd have to go with A, less than 10%. The American Heart Association, the European Society of Cardiology, and the World Health Organization all share the recommendation that adults should engage in 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity physical activity or 75 minutes per week of vigorous intensity activity. They recognize that the additional health benefits may be garnered from incremental increases all the way up to 300 minutes per week of moderate intensity activity or 150 minutes per week of vigorous intensity activity, with a recommendation to include both aerobic and muscular strength training activities. According to the World Health Organization, physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause of death in the world. The statistics regarding physical inactivity are quite staggering. Recent studies have shown that less than 10% of the European population meets the minimum recommended levels of physical activity. Similarly, only a quarter of adults and three quarters of adolescents aged 11 to 17 do not currently meet the global recommendations for physical activity. So the World Health Organization has created a global action plan on physical activity with the goal to achieve a 15% relative reduction in the global prevalence of physical inactivity by 2030. Society-level interventions to increase physical activity have been proposed, including school-based activity programs, improved accessibility of exercise facilities across the socioeconomic spectrum, and the governmental consideration of physical activity when designing cities. So that could be pedestrian or cycling lanes. Other policy suggestions with varying levels of evidence include a focus on media campaigns, economic incentives, targeted labeling of physical activity opportunities, and workplace wellness programs. So my takeaway here for you, Christian, would be despite the growing awareness of physical health consequences of sedentary behavior, 
Fewer than 10% of adults currently meet the minimum recommended quantity of physical activity. Public health leaders should continue to consider other novel legislative initiatives to augment physical activity on both a societal level with architectural design and financial incentives, as well as on the individual level. So we're lucky enough to have Dr. Sperling with us here today, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, in your clinical practice, how do you describe the recommended exercise guidelines to your patients, and how do you make the recommendations actionable and achievable for your patients? Well, thank you, Christian, for the question, and Jesse for the background, and then leading into my commentary here, just amazing to be able to join the listeners for Cardio Nerds. This is really a critically important issue to get to both in our country and on a global basis. Before we talk about the guidelines, the 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity weekly or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity activity for individuals, for families, for communities, and for populations, we really want to focus on increasing activity and decreasing sedentary behavior. Those are not necessarily mutually exclusive variables. So moving more and sitting less, first and foremost. Similarly, we must recognize that exercise, as you said, or lack thereof, is a really important determinant of health and risk for disease. And so I've taught a class at Emory University School of Medicine for our first year students now for over 20 years, and it's called Exercise in the Healthy Human. In fact, we connect this class to a 5K fun run for our first year students. And I describe exercise as the magical ingredient because if we could put this in a pill, there'd be almost no more potent pharmacotherapy to deliver. So there are many biologic benefits of exercise. Exercise improves levels of nitric oxide, reduces inflammation, improves vascular function, helps lower blood pressure, modestly improves lipid levels, can be really important in insulin sensitivity and improving insulin sensitivity. So what I want to share with the listeners here is that the exercise recommendations I think are sound, but it's how do we translate these recommendations to our individual patients? And so you can make them aware of the guidelines, but I think what I do and what may be more real world is discussing with them the benefit of getting into a regular routine. When I see a patient who's lived to age 90 or 100 and you ask them about what are their secrets, frequently it's that they take a regular walk every day for 30 minutes or an hour, even when it's raining out. And the other recommendation that I'll frequently make is keeping a step count. I think that step count is a way to keep track of the cumulative benefits of activity throughout the day. And if you're not aware, walking less than 5,000 steps a day that's considered sedentary, basically a couch potato. But if you walk greater than 10,000 steps per day, that's considered active. And cumulatively, it's like walking five miles a day. As a sidebar, we did a study probably 10 years ago where we gave 28 cardiovascular specialists a pedometer for two weeks. And we asked them to record two things, how many hours a day they worked and how many steps a day they took at work. And there were two findings. One is they worked a lot of hours, 12 hours a day. But the other was that they only took 6,000 steps a day at work. And so we ourselves as cardiovascular specialists, unless we make a real push to being more active in our workday, we're likely sedentary as well. The other comment that you made, Jesse, I think is really, really critically important is that it's not as easy as counseling our patients to move more and sit less because we need to create environments that are conducive to doing so. 
making the healthy choice the easy choice, but also making the healthy choice the safe choice. And this is all about environmental engineering at a community level, population health approaches. And so individuals should be more active in their daily lives. In Atlanta, the Beltline is a great example of build it and they will come. And they took an area that was basically an old railroad wasteland and now made this a thriving place in the community of the city in which I live. So my take home message is here and I did run five miles today. Physical activity is a really important part of cardiovascular disease prevention. And we should be counseling each and every one of our patients about this beneficial part of therapeutic lifestyle and behavioral approaches to care. Dr. Sperling, I love those points that you made. In particular, I love your actionable counseling to patients. So setting a routine and keeping a step count. The other takeaway I had from that is that maybe we need a cardio nerds fun run. Sounds like we need to push our cardiovascular specialists to be more active in their spare time as well. So I can't wait to push that forward. Yeah, definitely sign me up for the cardio nerds fun run. I will be there. Jesse, Dr. Sperling, thanks for those enlightening comments and analysis. I'm glad to hear there are initiatives happening to get folks up and active. And Dr. Sperling, I still have fond memories of the 5K run I did as an Emory student during my first year. It's also been an honor to spend some time with you in clinic as a medical student and seeing how you really put these guidelines into practice. So thanks again to both of you. Boop. Boop.